Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks. After Jonathan is finished studying at the Watchful Order, he's approached by Balana Zadok. She wants him and his friends to investigate a cult of Baphomet, who have taken a powerful magic instrument to their lair on the Corin Archipelago. Ugh, words. Bernie talks with Farah and Joster, two members of the Moonpick Thieves Guild, who fill her in on their organization and offer to train her with lockpicks in exchange for any interesting information she might come across. Travancore offers gifts to his friends that he has acquired and ponders the information he has about the Tower of Wendergod in the Western Heartlands. Carlton buys a magic shield made from some of the flail snail shells that they sold and gets a powerful item that needs to be used wisely. Then the group discuss what adventure they should go on next before heading to bed. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren, also known as Obocrazy, and I have recently moved, which was a pain in the ass. So the good news is I now have an office, which means my husband can be in the other room and not have to listen to me babble, which I, I like to think you guys listen like listening to me babble because you can respond, but honestly, listening to just me and not being able to hear you guys is really annoying. But more importantly, within walking distance is a QFC, and that QFC sells... Pick your own six-pack. Oh, nice. Which means I have one of those, that six-pack. I got myself a Deschutes Black Butte Porter, which I think I've actually tried before, but it's been many, many years. Deschutes is actually a fairly local brew there in Portland, and their their Black Butte Porter is thick and rich and creamy and delicious, and it makes me happy. Carlton, what are you drinking? So, friend of the show, uh, Jason Rand. Makes a lot of cool little trinkets with the, uh, the the 3D printer he's got. He's like, oh, here, I was out shopping, and I found this, and I want you to drink it on air. And I was like, okay, because that's how my life goes. <laughs> uh, and it's called Drink Maple, and it is organic raspberry lemon maple water. I live in Canada right now, and I've never even heard of that, so that's interesting. Let's see how this goes. Everything sounded good until the water part, so let's see. That was actually really good. Oh. Let's nice. surprise. I'm very surprised. It's, uh, it's like a flavored water. It's so uh, it's very watery flavored. So it tastes okay. like a watered down juice or whatever. But it, the maple just adds like a light, light sweetness. Is not overpowering. And then the raspberry lemon is very nice. So yeah, hmm. that's uh, the drink maple maple water. Thank you, friend of the show, Jason. Yeah, we appreciate you, Jason. you finding something good that he can enjoy. Me too, Bernie. <laughs> what are you drinking? That doesn't happen very often at all. So I had a bad day, and Stephen did the grocery shopping, and came back. It's uh a cider it's from growers which is like i guess a co-op of uh apple growers in ontario and it's all ontario apples and it's really good cider and it's an apple it's apple cinnamon cider Ooh, nice i like it because it makes you think of apple pie without hitting you over the head with apple pie yeah like apple pie moonshine which is like delicious the first time you drink it and then the more you drink it you're like this was a mistake yeah this is not a mistake this is really enjoyable i'll probably go through that whole bottle by the time we're done with tonight I like that plan. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Bira 91 Blonde Lager, imagined in India. So up until this point, the only Indian beer I'd ever had was Kingfisher. 
But then I go to over to Rocco's, which is right around the corner from here, and it's run by two Indian guys. So they know I'm Indian. So they're like, hey, check this out. There's this beer here. It's actually really good. You should try it out. And the Blonde Lager is great. It has – it's a little bit hoppy, but not super hoppy or anything like that. It's clean. It's clear. It's refreshing. And I'm loving it. And I'm probably going to finish off what I have left today. Nice. All right. Excuse my ignorance. Does imagine mean the same thing as brewed? It doesn't. So it's actually brewed in Utica, New York. But I think they use the recipe used in the beer breweries in India. But they just make it here because it's just – it tastes fresher and tastes better that way. Okay. Yeah. All also right. importing from just the cost of getting all that on a boat. Yeah, you would ship. You don't ship that shit on airplane. You ship it on ship. God, that would be very expensive. I think. Yeah, logistically in the old world, that's why all the beers that made it to India were IPAs. True, true, true. It just, it, I've never heard that that imagined term, but that totally makes sense. Finally, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, it's Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. And tonight, I, it's just very simple. It's a uh, Coke and rum, rum and cola. Mm. Uh, it is quite good. I had it when I was recording with folks from Taking Initiative the other night, and I got hey. super drunk. And if you listen to Meanwhile in Barovia, episode five, I think, or whatever, uh, yeah, you can hear me because I have had a bunch of these and some Fireball. Speaking of Fireball... Uh, tonight's shot of Fireball to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to patron Joe Hills. Thank you so much for your support, Joe, and we appreciate it. This Fireball shot and the subsequent uh, NPC deaths associated with it are for <laughs> you. I just got to the part in Taking Initiative and in where you guys all woke up in the coffins and that was lovely. That was fun. That I, was amazing. You guys must have had a really different experience playing with them than we did because Sedlak and I... <laughs> Someone mentioned that this our group was the weirdest group in Barovia that they've run into. Well, I mean, we all know Billy Boba Boom because he made a guest appearance on Dungeon Drunks, but yeah. he and Chipper, yes, yeah, and Chipper. But isn't it, Celeste is playing a warforged who thinks she's a tank and is the size of a tank? She, it, her <laughs> name is Tango Alpha November Kilo, and uh, she does believe that she is a tank. She is devoid of emotion, although she is adorable. Uh, Sage uh, Stafford, also from Venture Maidens, plays uh, our druid, and she is she is lovely. And then Casey from The Lucky Die plays a Russian-sounding tiefling ranger yes. who wants to bring down capitalism, which like is a, pro- a little bit of a problem for uh, for my character because he made all of his money in the Keebler Elves cookie business. <laughs> Ashlyn, Ashlyn is uh, is Sage's druid's name. And I highly recommend it. We are we are mutual fans of each other uh, and definitely taking initiative is a lot of fun. And they've just jumped on board the Idle Champions train. So you can go on and listen to them. Yeah, all <laughs> the gold chests for everybody. I was talking to Josh and he's like, are, are you sure you're okay with this? I'm like, you're going to get gold chests and that means I get more gold chests and we love you and you love us and this is awesome. This is all awesome. So yes, go listen to them and then come back and listen to the Dungeon Drunks who have just woken up the next morning in the Golden Rock Tavern. It is a lovely, bitterly cold winter day on the, I believe it is the 28th of, yes, the 28th of Hammer in the morning. You have all finished up some, basically, I'd say vacationing, but also some introspective work vacation time. And uh, you had been discussing in depth about what you wanted to do next. There were a couple of different ideas. And as you are greeted by Gestock with his normal full on breakfast, what would you like to do? Jonathan the Magic Muscular is a little slow to get up. He's been, it's been kind of tumultuous last few weeks for him. 
He's been up studying. He's had, he said goodbye to Dorvine. He said goodbye to Dorvine. And, uh, and he's just putting in a lot of nights and he, uh, I mean, we've, we've planned this kind of caper, but he's been losing a lot of sleep. So he is actually, he has a hot mug of coffee next to him, but he is down on <laughs> face down on a table. <laughs> Travancore is going to walk over with his coffee and say, Penny, for your thoughts. Uh, I'm awake. Um, hey, Bucks. Bucks, why didn't you wake me up? Bucks uh, shoots you a image of how adorable you look drooling on the table. Thanks, buddy. Every time that Bucks imagines something, I imagine the super simple Teen Titan styled animation and pop bubbles in his head. <laughs> Considering, yeah, many of them, yes, are that simple. <laughs> I think Bernie, Bernie is uh, got her practice lock and her practice lock pick, and she's doing that thing your friends do where. Um, They've got a new app that they're playing on, and it really isn't as important as your friendship, but they've decided it is. And so she's kind of like half acidly, like she's like half of her brain is on this, but the other half of her brain is walking up to the table and take taking Jonathan Madamuscular's coffee away and replacing it with a strong black tea and just like walking away because she's going to hold that con as long as physically possible. Jonathan, roll a constitution saving throw. All right. Gladly. Okay. So here we go. Oh, natural 20! Everybody drink. Everybody drink. Just as well. We haven't played in a while. I'm thirsty. Ah. Uh, all right. You know what? With a natural 20. So the reason I was having you roll is I was going to see how much of that coffee you'd actually gotten through before Brady decided to swap glasses with you. So with a natural 20, I'm just going to ask you, how much coffee did you drink? How much would you have liked to have drunk? So he, the intention would have been... To, to try and drink it because he's no he's he's tired he probably got a couple of sips before that table started looking looking real real all right i'll i'll say i'll say a good fourth of it fourth to a third of it is gone so you were able to get a little bit of caffeine before when you wake up there's a different cup there tea has caffeine in it lauren this is very Fine. true nowhere near as much as coffee <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because then you don't have to rely on caffeine as much. This is also true. Bucks, there's there's magic about someone turned my coffee into tea. I wonder who's responsible. I don't it's care. It's good <laughs> for you. Bucks looks directly at Bernie and just blinks at her. Bernie smiles. Hi. <laughs> it's good for you. Tea makes you live longer. Gestalt comes on over and he's like, I thought that was only green tea. And then he puts a giant plate of bacon down and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> he just I'm knows at this point. I love it. Doesn't have to say anything. He's just like, this crew, high protein, bacon. <laughs> we we don't smell good. No. <laughs> Can you imagine how bad the Avengers smell? After the shawarma, yes. Ooh. After, like, like Jack was saying, high protein diets to keep up their energy and stuff. They fart like no one's business. That's a lot of meat farts. You know, ever since Xavier built that school in we in Westchester County, property values have plummeted. There's a cloud. They thought it was a rendering factory. Who knew it was a school? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> the stock is just used to it. It's, it's all over Waterdeep. I mean, especially in the dead of winter like it is, fresh fruit and vegetables are hard to come by. Everybody's insisting, uh, is subsisting on some sort of high-protein diet, and you just get used to it. Yeah, we're in the bell curve. It's fine. Yeah. He would let you know if it got out of, of control. He's, Honestly, are we not more friend. concerned about scurvy? Scurvy is very important. 
<laughs> Wait, being concerned no. about scurvy is very important. That too. Well, we have eleven tree now, so scurvy is less of a concern for, for That's us. That's true. true. We and we are not sharing. That is a herald's only lemon tree. I love that we're ultimately completely like selfless and willing to lay our lives down, but we will not fight scurvy under any circumstances. That's well, where we draw the line. Jules has, or Bernie has a point. It's her lemon tree to disperse as GC gets. Ours, ours. Yeah, it's a Bernie tree. Listen, you you can't fight for good truth, justice, and the Waterhavian way if you're also fighting scurvy. That's true. Is that our Artex Live monster? Is scurvy? It's that a CR twenty four monster. She can shrink us down to the size of uh, like uh, like single celled organisms, and we can literally fight scurvy. <laughs> yes. Your just... next adventure is called Inner Space. The next adventure is it, there's going to be this really weird red haired witch with like a giant caravan. Does she have a lizard familiar? She's got a lizard familiar and a whole bunch of annoying kids for some reason. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so would prokaryotes have a defense bonus against eukaryotes or the other way around? Oh, honey. I'm trying to remember my microbio. Wow, I... we're going down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> well, the thing is, the next year, we could shrink down even further and fight uh, fight states of uncertainty. And that's where I can come in because I kind of remember how to get eigenvalues. Hey, we've got Quark, Strange, and Charm. Why not? All right. Anyway, back to Moving our adventure. <laughs> Anyways, if you are still listening to our podcast, we'd like to thank you. <laughs> if you are a sponsor and you haven't dropped us, we'd really like to thank <laughs> We haven't played in a month. We're rusty. Or we're just too busy having fun with each other to actually play a game, which is the way I always, Either I always way. picture it. Oh, yeah. So, Jonathan, the original plan was to ask around Waterdeep for bef- in, in advance of our, our, our maritime mission, yeah? Right, because yeah. we have to wait for the rock to cool down. So we had, so we had like, what, two weeks, 15 days or something like that? Yeah. How long is a sea journey? Like, once you get on a boat, like, it won't take, like, what, a day, less than a day? Jonathan, you would know to get to, to your home land from here kale calendar it's a couple of days it's not that far by by sea the corinna archipelago is a little farther north but you're pretty sure that there there must be some sea captains around that you could talk to to get some information about about length of journey so it's not really that far it's just a, a it depends on how you want to travel Right. So I guess, I mean, we don't necessarily have to spend 15 days on land and then go. If we wanted to be a bit more expeditious, we could always spend like 10 days, a, t- a 10 day, going around trying to figure out what's what in, in, in that island, like see if we can gather any intel, then catch a ship out to sort of that way and then like have them drop us off at an island and then in the dead of night, like take the rock out and... And fly around and, and hot drop in. Uh, we don't want to hot drop in because uh, necessarily because we we need to recover the rock. So oh, and hot dropping is really bad for your knee. Landing like that three point landing is really bad for your knees. True, superhero. Yeah, that three that three point landing that looks so cool. Yeah. Oh, super rough on your knees. Yeah, we're getting too old for that. Yep. Well, some of this. So I guess we need to like look at a map of the the docks and split it up and yeah. decide who's going where the a map of the the docks and water water deep mm-hmm. yeah so you're fairly familiar with i mean all of you are fairly familiar with water deep at this point you've been basically living here for a while even if you took an extended 
trip to the Feywild. The docks are, you know, along the dock ward, really splitting up. Actually, Jonathan, go ahead and roll a history check. All right. Because of your history. My history. Because of history. Uh, That's a 25. Nice. You know for certain there's not going to be a lot of ships in port because of the weather and because of the uh, the time of year, because there are only specific ships that can make it in and out of the docks when there's this much ice on the seas. So you wouldn't be surprised if there's really only a couple of ships in dock right now that could take you where you need to go. So splitting up like it'd be actually better for you to just go to the harbor master ask which ships are are capable of no, making I this was kind of about getting intel sorry that didn't come yeah across. like basically yeah, what i we... thought we were talking about splitting it up so we can cover all the ground to see what people know about anything oh okay well as far as the the ships go there's not gonna be a lot of people to talk to because there's not gonna be a lot of ships any of the ships that can make the trip are there going to be few and far between and any of them that are basically locked in until the weather warms up are going to be practically empty anyway uh as far as other places to go that's that's up to you yep right so well because this the crews are going to split up right especially the the ones that like you like you said lauren are locked into the harbor so those crews are going to be about and those are some of the people that we want to talk to we do also want to talk to someone on the ship because i don't think we're going to fly the rock all the way out there i think we want to take some of it on the boat, right? Yeah. Or do we that, want to fly the rock all the way out there? I thought, uh, given what I heard about your journey to Greenest, I think that taking a boat sounds infinitely preferable. I have actually come up with a way to make that a little bit... Uh, okay, I was about to say make it a little bit better, but that's not actually true. It would make bad things suck much less. Okay, okay. That is a little better. It's an iota better. It's a quanta better. On a scale of one to shitty. But yes. Um. So yeah, it might be better. It might be a lot more comfortable to, especially in this weather, to to take a boat out, maybe even to just care Calendar and just one of these days, because that's probably the biggest port. Since there are less routes, they're probably just making big runs. So it'd probably be easier to get a ship out there. And then from there, we can take the rock over the island. Okay, so what we need to do in the meantime is learn as much about this cult or what people know about it as we possibly can. Exactly. Now, I have a friend in the gnome community who's a religious type, and I can see what she knows about the cult if she's heard anything. That may be something she keeps an ear to the ground for, you know, given that... You know, her followers, she doesn't really want them going off and joining a cult. But I was also thinking, since I'm very good at cheating at cards, do do ship people like to play cards? I could go find a place and just sit in on a few games and see what people have to say. Yeah, you can bring Carlton just in case, uh, just in case things get rough. Yeah, yeah, that's always good. It's good to have some muscle. I'm great at cards. (laughs) Sure you are, buddy. Sure you are. Actually, Carlton. Uh oh. <laughs> I think you would be exactly what we need. Yeah, because like you take them and you put one like straight up, and then you put another one straight up, and then you take the third one and you balance it on the top, and then it creates a little free straining structure, and then you do that again and again and again until you have like a big tall tower. I'm really good at playing cards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just nods. Like Bucks is even nodding. Like mm-hmm. Bucks is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you are Carlton, 
exactly the kind of grift I used to run without even having to think about it, which I think is just great. <laughs> Good job. You're, you're, you're what she... I am going to take a little bit more of an academic approach. I'm going to go back to the Acropolis and see if I can dig up any, like, any information that way. And if I can't, I'm just going to go to the straight-up library. Actually, let's start at the straight-up library. And, uh, and Travancore, if you want to come with me and put your detective skills to the use. I put, my, I, put, I put on my robe and detective hat. Actually, for the moment, Bernie lets you borrow the, uh, the cloak she's got, and she makes you look like Sherlock Travancore. Yay! Hey! Capital! Indubitably! Just don't, don't, don't follow the new one and get addicted to heroin. <laughs> oh, no, 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 let's no. not go I mean, down that path. He was kind of always. Nah, I kicked that. I, I didn't. I... Yeah, that's original. That's that's in. Like, why do you think House is uh, addicted to pain meds? I didn't actually know that. I just thought yeah. he was an asshole. <laughs> but I guess he could be both. It's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you I didn't know that. Honestly, Mike's. <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, if you read the original, he's like the 7% solution. That's like a direct quote. That's uh, like... I'm insulted. I, I don't need opiates to be mean to people. I can do it on natural. If the Feywild has you. taught all of you anything, it's that you're all very good at being mean to somebody. No, we're great. We are really... No, Bernie owns that shit. Bernie made a beholder cry. You all kind of made a beholder cry. We I did. Yeah. I'm smiling for those of you listening at home. I, that's still one of my proudest moments in D&D, and no one can take that away from the me. The Herald is the meanest. <laughs> I'm not I mean, saying it's making, a bad thing. Yeah, making the Beholder cry and solving the whole Olivia Passerac Festival of the Moon, like, Herald versus Bard thing, those are two of my finest moments. <laughs> that's like Travis Gore's greatest hit roll, hits roll. All right, so where would you where would you all like to go? It sounds like Jonathan and Travancore are heading back to the Amethyst Acropolis, and Bernie and Carlton are heading to the docks. Well, first we're heading to see my gnome friend for some tea and then Milla. Some... Yeah. Okay. Leaves and leads. Leaves and leads. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Travancore and Jonathan. You guys head to the Amethyst Acropolis. Are you going to talk to anybody, or Jonathan? Are you looking to go back to the Silent Library? Since I have Travancore with me, I think it would be actually good to go to the uh, to the Waterdeep archives. That way, Travancore can get in and help. Because if okay. I go to the Silent Library, then Travancore can't help. So I will go back to the Silent Library probably, but once maybe Travancore's skills are needed somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good to but me. But we, you know what? I, I imagine we'll stop by the Acropolis just to say hi to Razzo. Yeah. I, it's probably on the way. There's probably lots of nerdy buildings in the same area of town. When you talk about the Waterhavian Library, you you don't mean the one at the Amethyst Acropolis. You definitely mean like the uh, the font of knowledge, the public library. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, as far as you know, the font of knowledge in the Castle Ward. You head there, and it is it is a massive building. It is you know that it is actually a temple to Agma. Agma. Ugh, that word didn't yeah. want to come out of my mouth. <laughs> it is it is a giant temple <laughs> to Agma, who is the Lord of Knowledge, and basically all of the people who worship them are people who uh, seek knowledge and hope to spread it throughout the world. So they have this giant library. It's not quite as big as some other libraries in Faerun, but as far as in Waterdeep, this is the biggest one. 
you enter that library and there there are definitely some clerics who are not only doing their own searches but they seem to be around to ask for help but everything seems to be fairly well organized it is it is very well put together and on a bitterly cold day like this it's packed. There are people in this warm, temperature-controlled, as much as possible space, not just doing research and doing work, but keeping themselves busy out of the cold. And because this library is so filled with books and so controlled with its temperature and humidity, it's a pleasant place to be. So as you come walking on in, uh, what would you like to look for? And are you just going to search for it yourself or do you want to ask for some help? I think initially we'll try and make a pass uh, for ourselves. Basically, we want to look for any recent manifests or shipping uh, law, like ships logs that might be archived that have to do with that area around the uh, around where that island is, around where the cult kind of operates. Like, I don't imagine we'll find like, hey, I went to the cult today and it was great. They had tea and crumpets. But they might Why say like... Why would you besmirch tea like that? I'm just saying that I probably <laughs> wouldn't do that. It would probably be a little more obtuse than that. Thank <laughs> you. Get out of my head, Bernie. Get out. Get out. All you right. hear Bernie, like you, you like think about it and you think about tea and then you hear a voice in your head that's like, why would you do that? He's wonderful. I know you have sending too, so you can actually do that shit. <laughs> we need to start using sending to bully. Counterspell, counterspell. No. Uh, uh, but uh, our tertiary goal would be to learn about the cult in general. I think. What What do you think, uh, Travancore? Yeah, all of that sounds good. Addition to any kind of. I know. I don't know if they'd have records of this stuff in a Waterdeep library, given how far away it is. But any kind of. Real estate transactions or land sales that happen that are mysterious of large places. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Put on my put on my realtor hat. <laughs> Let's start with the more uh, concrete stuff: the land sales, the shipping records, the things that um, are actually pretty easy to find because records are in their own special section of this library and are not as busy as some of the other places because there's not a lot of. Of random people looking to get in out of the cold who are then looking at shipping records. So it's a little easier to go to. Uh, go ahead. If the both of you are looking, I need one of you to give me a uh, investigation check with advantage from the two of you looking at the same time. You know, I'm dressed for it, and I know I have the whole, like, thing that I do, but Jonathan, let me ask you, what is your investigation bonus? Plus nine. <laughs> so you should probably actually do the investigation. I feel like Travancore will should get a bonus. No, Travancore, the, the gods, you're the detective. It's... Even though he's a better investigating score, you're the investigator. Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Queen so, Bay has spoken. <laughs> I want to point this out, that I have a plus nine. Yes, but clearly two. The, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me finish. Yeah. The people, though, want Detective Travancore. So I have a feeling that if I roll twice, even with a plus nine, it's going to be bad. However, I think that the people should get Detective Travancore. This is going to work out great. Bonds. <laughs> Common folk must see me as a hero to the people. All right. I got to roll. All right. W with advantage, because Jonathan's helping me, right? Well, I'm, That's I'm correct. Watson to my Sherlock. <laughs> this is so good. This, this is, is exactly what we all really want, excited. is Travancore investigating. I mean, not so bad. 17. 17 is good. There you go. You find records for the last year for all of this. Um, this library has everything 
really well organized. And you look at a couple different things. You look at shipping manifestos, you look at land sales in and amongst the area, and you also find essentially police reports. It would be city watch reports from the area considering that you think this might be illicit activity, not something that would be on a regular manifesto. You don't see any land sales, but Jonathan is part of the way he helps you in this search is that he knows that the uh, the islands that you are being sent to, the Korim Archipelago, it's kind of wild lands out there. It's it's unclaimed. It's it's got tons of issues, and it's not the kind of thing somebody's going to actually buy land from. It's squatters' right. You do find. Um, shipping records, basically incoming and ex- exporting, nothing catches your eye. You do notice that stuff slows down in the winter and speeds up in the summer just because of the, the difficulty of shipping. You do see that during the summer, there are several trade routes that go out to the Moonshe Isles, but uh, during the winter, those slow down if not stop. And you do see that there's a couple of large ships that tend to uh, be regulars in Waterdeep that are winter frigates that basically specialize in being icebreakers to get other places. Um, But they don't seem to run regular routes. They seem to... They seem to thrive on being available for people who need either transport or goods being transported in the middle of the winter and no other ship can get through. So... From all of that, you don't get too much information about the cult, but you do get a a pretty good idea that at least your options for ships are going to be limited during the winter. You do also then check out the watch records, and you do find that uh, within the last, it would have been the last two months, the, the watch is a little fuzzy on this, there was an altercation in the docks in where a, a small sailboat, like a three, four person sailboat was stolen. And the they don't have any leads, but it catches your eye because it, it matches up around the time that Jonathan says that this instrument was stolen and these, these cultists left. And the only description of these people that was given it was that they were all wearing matching black robes with what looked like cloth wrapped around their mouths. Oh. And it seems to be the only thing from the watch that like, it just, you look at it and you're like, huh, I wonder if that had anything to do. And they... The, the boats seem to go off into the ocean in that direction, uh, but otherwise they've got no other information. So nothing about, like, I don't know, registration of boat or who owned it or anything like that? Uh, it was owned, it was a, a tiny little sailboat owned by a local fisherman, and the reason that it was able to be stolen was because it was only about a month and a half ago. It was the off-season, and so it was it was moored for the for the winter. And it was it was one of those where the the report talks about how the fisherman says that the only reason that they saw the people stealing it is because it was obvious that the people stealing it, they were silent, but they didn't quite know what they were doing with the ship and so they they made a lot of racket when they were untying it and getting it loose and like they smacked into ice and they smacked into another ship and so he came out to look to see what was going on but otherwise nothing else in those records really catch your eye go ahead and give me another someone give me another investigation check at advantage for information on baphomet shall i continue with the people's champion or do you want to take a shot you know what i am also a folk hero so i'll go ahead and take this one 
You are. <laughs> I know so many of my friends were famous. Uh, that's going to be a 27. Oh, nice. wow. Okay. Yeah. You very quickly, once again, religion, giant section, very well organized. Uh, and Baphomet is pretty well known as one of the fiends of the hells. He is usually portrayed as a minotaur and is the horned king and the prince of beasts. You usually hear about Baphomet with people who are looking to tap into their savage, wild natures. People who worship him want to break out of civilization. They want to stop being basically turned back into a, a wild animal. You do hear about actual minotaurs praying to them. And they, uh, Baphomet is known as the god who is, they use mazes and complex knots as their emblem. So all of this seems pretty standard. A lot of it you kind of knew ahead of time. You are able to find a little bit of extra information digging through stuff more recently. So you kind of find the, here's the basics on Baphomet. And then here's like a subsection of their cults. And there's like three different groups of cults that pray to this god. There's minotaurs and their ilk who are see him as kind of their, their patron god in a way. There are non-bestial uh, humanoids looking to reconnect or become more beast-like druids who want to wild shape and stay that way beings who have given into lycanthropy and are are not willing to put in the effort to control that side of their their curse or their blessing depending on that beings who essentially want to totally skew civilization and then there's this third section this third sect that don't want to give up their their innate civility and their ability to become you know a, a community and a culture but feel like civilization and society has corrupted people's minds with ideas and that what Baphomet is trying what, what Baphomet offers is being your own person and if if you're working with your pack and your pack happens to go off and work together to bring down something that's great but if you don't want to do that you can go off on your own and that communication is the root of evil and they tend to take vows of silence and are, are pretty adamant about not allowing any kind of discourse between members everything is done just in it's a it's a natural thing it is you have to know what you want your instinct has to take over or else you're not worthy sounds like our group's behind door number three it definitely sounds that way um i wonder so the instrument that they have what which one was that again that was the the Kenneth Beale. I wonder if that specifically can help them in whatever goal they have. Do we? I, I don't remember if we did checks on that. Did do we remember what that particular instrument does? Uh, you haven't done any checks, but if you would like, I would love a performance check. Performance. Yeah. Well, this is an instrument of the bards, and thus, um, it's not something normally in your real house. It would be something uh, that a bard would use. So give all me right, a performance huddle, check. Huddle up. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. I have serviceable performance. Yeah, mine's a plus one. So if yours is higher than that, go for it. 
Oh, I don't know that it would really matter is uh, that much. You know what? It's a Kenneth Mandolin, by the way. I'm sorry. It's not a veal. It's, it's the Kenneth okay, mandolin. mandolin. All right, let yeah. me up. Mandolin. Here. Oh, let me. Same. I would say that since you rocked out with a bunch of dwarves, it's your turn. Fair. All right, so Detective Travancore performs five. Uh, you have advantage. Oh, right. Duh. Sure. 20 soft. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, so you're thinking about this, and in a mo- the first instinct is... Wow, I really wish that Soria was here because this is this is a bard thing. Why would I know about this? And then Jonathan like elbows you and is just like, no, no, no there's got to be something that we we we've heard about. And so you think about it some more. You don't remember specifics about what the mandolin does. You do know that all of the these legendary bardic instruments, that there are a bunch of them, each of them do slightly different things. And you do remember hearing about them from a historical context, that they were created by this legendary luthier bard who uh, basically founded all of the different bard colleges. They are examples of each of the different iconic bard instruments, and they are supposedly very powerful, but you don't know specifically what this one would do, but your gut says it would be difficult for a cult of an evil fiend that abhors civilization to think this was a good thing at all, no matter what it did. Not that all roads lead back to to our old chromatic friend but um there's no way he's out here this far there's no way they're leveraging this to him is there could there be no i don't think so i mean it's with that guy anything's possible and he definitely could have made a deal and collecting a for him maybe collecting a cult a sect of a cult of bakfamet uh who who he has convinced that his way is the way to go and to trust the hit their instincts and trust in him. I could maybe see that happening. This is a little strange. Maybe they just want to, I don't know, maybe they want to like figure out a way to destroy it. Or unless these instruments are powerful enough to bring about the end, the civilization, the fall of civilization that they, they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely possible that this could, this could be part of a plan or they're just, they're just taking it off the board. Uh, they're just they're saying, you know what, we're taking this thing in and making sure that no one can use it. Hmm. Uh, I could kind of see it either way. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll find out soon enough. But yeah, hmm. while you continue to think about that, we're going to switch on over to <laughs> and Carlton as as you finish That's up us. at the library. So the yeah. first place you guys wanted to head towards is uh, back to the Gnomish Enclave and go talk to Ven Mella for a little bit. Yeah, Bernie hasn't taken Carlton there yet, has she? I don't think so. No, we're gonna go on a f- Carlton. We're gonna go on a field trip. I love how like you like realize you were in the Julia voice, and then like like oh wait, I gotta go back to Bernie voice before saying that. <laughs> Carlton, you are brought to the Gnomish Enclave in Waterdeep. It is small, both in size of number of people and in size of everything else. I imagine it's like when Gandalf came to visit Bilbo, and like he like has to like hunch down through everything. Very much. It's like if a it's like if one of the trolls came to visit Bilbo. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like with this gnomish enclave, like non-gnomes ever come here. I mean, it is nestled in the middle of the city. And so you are not like stared at, but 
it it is you are unable to be not noticed here it's not sized for me yes do all the kids try to play on carlton like they try to play on coco snoot ah uh, you know no no uh many of the kids will look and then they kind of back away and they're not scared as much as a little wary and definitely Carlton is a bit of a more imposing figure than, say, a dog or a bear. Especially That's since true. I think the last time Shadow was here, Shadow didn't even, even have his armor. Here. Yeah. So Bernie will leave Coco Snoot outside like she always does and let then tell the kids, I'm taking the big one inside and just like... Well, actually, Vanilla meets you at the door and says, She's oh. like, oh, no, no, no. Well, she she introduces herself, this very old, obviously for you, uh, tiny gnomish woman comes out and she says, hello, Bernie, it is good to see you again. You've brought another one of your companions. Hi, I am I am Vanilla. I am Vanilla Estora. How can I help you? And she holds out her hand to you, Carlton, to introduce Hi, herself. Hi, Vanilla. I'm Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you and she looks over at bernie and says i'm i'm happy to speak with the both of you but i'm i'm afraid your friend might be incredibly uncomfortable in our house yeah yeah i think yeah he's a little it's very cold outside but i am i am more than happy to take a little bit of a walk if we would like to stay somewhere in where your your friend will not have to sit on the floor hunched over that's probably for the best. You know a place nearby that can fit a Carlton? Not in our enclave, no, but here we are a little more sheltered from the wind and, and let us take a small walk. And she leads the two of you over to where there's, it's not a, a, a garden as much as it is just a couple of trees in a, in a patch of grass in front of some houses. And it breaks the wind and it's been cleared of snow. It seems like as she brings you over there, the bubble around you of people giving you respectful distance widens. And it's almost as though everybody in this little enclave of, of gnomes understands that this is a conversation that is a, a semi-private one that you are all having and they're they're giving you a respectful distance. And she looks at you and says, it is good to see you again. It has been a while. What what can I help you with? Yeah, it's been a bit. Well, see, we accidentally, on purpose, went to the Feywild. I've heard some some tales. The bards have been telling some interesting stories. It's good to know that they are mostly true. I'd be interested to hear how that shakes out for them no um it just turns out time works a little differently there among other things like tea we well we got back and you know trouble sort of just waits for you there's this cult maybe stole something we think they're from baphomet have you heard of them i know of him he is certainly one of the the lord's in the underworld that I certainly would not want to tangle with, but his followers are more interested in in the wilderness and the wilds. They don't tend to come into civilization very much. That's the little that I know. Well, I guess they did, because they stole... What did they steal, Carl? They stole uh, the, the bard guitar. Yeah, they, <laughs> they stole a bardic instrument. Oh. Well, that doesn't seem good at all. Yeah. Like, not like someone's, but like one of the. Like, it belongs to 
the the high school no college bard college yeah like with a capital b with a capital b yeah and you have been tasked to return this instrument i gather if we can get the instrument destroy the cult hmm do you know where it is gone there's an island right carl carl yeah it's oh, fuck where jonathan say i mean oops sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry vanilla uh uh, sorry about that language. Uh, it's 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 in the the archipelago. 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 Yeah. The court of archipelagos is a ghostly disembodied voice. Oh. Yeah, but Carlton. Was Normally, like... that's Jonathan who does it, but I figured yeah. I'd try it this time around. Jonathan so usually it? does the metagaming pigeon. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> metagaming pigeon. Cuckoo. I mean, Bernie would remember, Julia doesn't. Yeah. Well, I, I think I would agree. Bernie would probably remember. It's the Corin Archipelago. It's the Corin Archipelago. Well, that's not, I mean, that's a couple of days by ship from here, I believe, but at least it Yeah, has... we're going on a boat. Oh, okay. Are you leaving soon? We're leaving, oh. we're sort of on a fact-finding mission. Oh, we I don't we don't want to go in blind. We just sort of did that for a little while and wowzers is that not fun. But you're a woman of faith and I didn't know if you knew more about them. I don't know anything about these these instruments. That's beyond my ken. Uh what I know about Baphomet I have told you, but I might be able to help you find more information about the Corin Archipelago. That would be excellent. Yeah. I have an old friend who's in port right now who, if she hasn't already taken a job, would definitely be interested in in ferrying you out there. I would very much appreciate that because our other option is extremely cold. <laughs> well, Question. yes. Is your friend's boat, uh, I don't want to sound mean about bernie how do i say gnome size and not sound mean about it it's not he's he he wants to know if he's gonna fit on the boat it is not a a gnomish boat no it is uh captain langley is actually a human a an old friend of mine who has been a a stalwart uh, seafaring you know when i first met her i thought she was a pirate but she's actually I think a lot like you, just more interested in doing it on a boat on the ocean. And she's got one of the few boats in the harbor that I know can break through the ice. So she might have more information about the archipelago you're looking for. Captain Langley, you said? Yes, Valera <laughs> Tide Turner Langley is her name. It's a an affectation of the sea, I have been told, that they all have interesting nicknames. Cool. Oh, her ship is called the Scarred Serpent, and if it is still in port, it will be easy to find. It will be one of the few caravels that could get you out of the port, even in the middle of all of this. And she kind of points to the swirling snow and the bitter cold, and she says, I've, I've taken a couple of trips with her in the past, in my younger days, and I, w I would trust what she has to say. All right. And you think she might know a little more even about this weird cult or anything going on in the archipelago? Because unfortunately, we're not. I mean, archipelago is a lot of places to look. You know what I'm saying? I understand. I don't know what she knows, but 
she specializes in going off charts and you would not be the first adventures that she has taken into uncharted waters. So if there is anybody who would know the waters of the Corin Archipelago, who is in town, it would be her. She has taken me a couple of fun places in, in my past as well. Places that are no longer places I can go safely. We're going to have to have some discussions later on. I have a very nice old woman who likes lemon cake that you should meet. I think you'd be friends. Well, if she is friends with you, then I'm definitely interested. She's batshit insane. It's wonderful. <laughs> Vanilla puts a, puts a gnarled hand on your shoulder and says, My dear, at our age, we're all a little insane. Yeah. You're not Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you know where I can find Captain Langley? Well, if she's not tending to her ship, she's probably in one of the, the bars nearby. She, when she's in port, she doesn't tend to go very far because stuff like what you are talking about can come up randomly. And most people want to talk directly to the captain when it comes to sailing these more difficult missions. So if you don't find her on the Scarred Serpent, definitely check some of the the more seedier bars that are within a mile. See what she might be up to. But be careful. They're not... I have every faith in your abilities to protect yourself. And she also looks at Carlton and looks back at you and says, but sometimes the men and women there, they don't make any assumptions and they just get drunk. Yeah, yeah. And I would really hate to accidentally burn one of those nice bars down, especially this time of year. The code legal would be very upset with you. Yeah. Anything else I can help you with? Am I supposed to know that? The, the, the code legal? You are all Bernie. familiar. The code legal is literally the, the laws in Waterdeep. You've all kind of heard about it and read about it. And I'll say to varying degrees how much you know about it. But it's like, you know... It's kind of the obvious thing. Hey, don't burn down the city would probably be one of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to run afoul of them, but I hate to dash, but this is a little time sensitive. And it is freezing out here. Yeah, and my dog probably covered in small children by now. Um, that's something it's going to take at least 10 minutes to get him extricated from. But uh, we will have to catch up uh, you, me, and Farah. We can uh, drink tea and I can tell you about how I'm learning to lockpick. Um, it's wonderful. That sounds interesting and maybe more than I should know, but that's okay. I look forward to meeting your oh, friend. No, I don't plan on using it for any nefarious means. That's good to know. I trust you. Bernie's just going to grin at her <laughs> in a way that probably makes her regret that statement. <laughs> All right. Was there anything else you wanted to do here? Or are you going to extricate your dog from the, the children who are currently playing fetch with snowballs? Oh, that's me. No, no, no. Um, Coco Snoot is smart enough of a dog to understand what's going on, but is still a dog. And so is having fun playing fetch. Okay. So Bernie's going to whistle for Coco Snoot. And make all the kids go, aww. Yeah. Yeah. They all go, aww. One obnoxious little boy tries to one last snowball at Coco Snoot. And then another boy literally jumps in front of it and, like, takes the snowball. It's just like, hey, no, don't. Sh not that the dog. And then snowball fight breaks out between all of them. And Coco Snoot trots on over.
Welcome back to... Wait, where am I? What's this? Josh, we need you to record this promo clip, blah, blah, blah. You better do a good job or we are quitting your BS curse of straw nonsense. Well, uh, I'm not quite sure how to take that, but hey, everybody. I'm the current DM for Taking Initiative, a D&D 5e podcast. We're a bunch of goofs that love the game and wanted to share our playstyle at the table while still delivering a story you can enjoy and follow, even if you've never played the game before. We're Taking Initiative wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to thespark.network for all other info. A cassette tape? Montage for promo. A cassette tape? Really? Kent! Just the man I was looking uh, for. I'm so clumsy today. <laughs> I'm going to tie the pants around his head so that he can't speak or see. It's our scene, Kent. It's our scene, Kent. Halflings in particular. Small, mm. ugly, children-looking motherfuckers like yourself. <laughs> Castle Ravenloft's doors are always open to you. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game that you can download right now on Steam. The most recent update includes content from the new adventure Dragon Heist, and will be the first time fans can get a glimpse of all of the fun stuff in the book since Wizards of the Coast made the announcement. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast, and it's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. Speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folks who made Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now this code expires on December 9th, 2018 at 9pm Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. E-A-R-D-S-O-M-S-G-Y-B-E X, Y, S, T. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. All right. As you all leave the Gnomish Enclave, Travancore and Jonathan, was there anything else you were all doing in um, the Font of Knowledge? Uh... Definitely saving the address for a future trip. Travancore definitely has more books to read on his own time. And it is it is a literal font of knowledge. And it seems to be open to everybody. There's not there are definitely clerics of wandering about who are happy to help, but there's there was no fee to come on in. It is just open to the public. Did we wanna actually avail ourselves of a librarian just in case they can get information that we can't? We might as well since we're here. And uh Jonathan the Magimuscular is gonna donate uh if there's a collection box at the front. Uh, what does he have? Currency. Uh, he's gonna give 11 gold, uh, as a donation. But he's gonna do, he's gonna make sure one of the, uh, clerics of Ogma sees him do it. Oh, he's yeah. gonna, he's gonna flex donate. Who? Ha. Huh. He's gonna soplate don- donate. He's still gonna flex donate. Well. From his flex spending account. You flex, and, and so the. <laughs> hey, that's my turf. The donation box is right at the front where two older humans and an older half-orc woman all sitting at what seems to be some kind of information desk. They were doing basic greetings as people were coming on in, but it was it's that 
just right amount of customer service and where they acknowledge you and they say hi, but they could instantly tell that you two were like, we got our own shit to do. Don't bother us. And so they just let you go. As you come on back, the one older human uh, that's sitting right in front of the, the donation box nods at you and says, oh, bless you for your donation. Thank you. Did you find what you were looking for? Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular and uh, his associate Detective Travancore here did indeed find a bunch of knowledge. However, um, do you think we could borrow one of you for a little bit? We have a couple of questions about uh, just about general information about the Moonshades and uh, and just that area that we we had got some information from, but would would appreciate some some help lo- maybe locating something else. Okay, what what in specific? Were you looking for maps? Were you looking for histories? Were you looking for notable people? Is there anything in specific uh, some, I can point you to? They might be in different locations. Some maps would be good. Maybe some history of a place known as the Corin Archipelago. Because uh, I have a map, but not like super detailed. So like other charts and topographies would probably be a topography. topographical map. Yes. We are obviously adventurers, and eventually we are going to tire of this life. So, but we also like each other. So, we were thinking of maybe one of these days building a nice vacation home out in the Ar- uh, Corin Archipelago, and we kind of want to find where maybe a good place to put down some roots would be. Some a nice a nice valley, maybe something kind of hidden away to have some privacy, you know, that kind of thing. The gentleman that you're talking to doesn't seem to either notice or care about this bullshit, but you've dropped 11 gold into his box, and so is more than happy to help you with all of that. It's going to take the better part of the afternoon, um, because you can't remove books from the library, but they give you a space to put down, uh, they, they give you inks and some basic paper and a table to to sit at, and yeah, they, they are very able uh, to get you maps of the area, they're able to outline the topography of the Korean archipelago. It is mostly tiny little rocky islands. A couple of them are a little larger than normal. Most of them are, if not uncharted, too small to be dealt with or have some listed dangers. Most of them just list native wildlife that are land-based, although there is a historical precedence. Jonathan, uh, and you actually know this from living south of the Korean archipelago for a while that there used to be a white dragon who called this a lair that was many years ago and as far as anyone knows this dragon is long dead there hasn't been any sightings of this thing in decades if not a century and you've heard tales that this used to be that the Korean archipelago used to be the lair of this white dragon and you're actually able to find that there have been some people who have been trying to search out where the lair for this thing was because it was it was a fairly old dragon so the assumption was it had a pretty nice horde to it but no one exactly knows how it dies they just died they just know that Eventually it died and all attempts to get to those islands, people have been able to guess where the the actual lair entrance might be. But there's a lot of, of native wildlife. It is difficult to get there. And anyone who has gone there comes back with only 
bits and pieces of information. Um, but you're all able to get, at, at least the area around it is mapped very well, and you are all very confident in the maps. That you, if the captain, if you decide to sail out there and you hand these over to a sea captain, that they're going to feel confident about being able to get you wherever you need to go. Or if you decide to fly there, you'd be able to see them from above. Okay, yeah, we we take notes. We do we doodle some sketches. When we have a quiet moment, uh, I'm going to kind of bring Travancore close and be like, I mean, if there was already a hidden place for a cult to be, it's got to be in that layer, right? That that be that be where I do it if I were a cultist. I mean, yeah, totally. So they found wow. So they did something that no one else apparently has done. I mean, this is just guessing. But if I were to guess, if you wanted to put down a hidden layer, why build one yourself when there's already one there? And I, I missed the exchange. Do we know exactly which island the dragon layer was, or do we not know for no, sure? No, we don't know that. Like, no one knows that. Then Travancore wants to see, based on his knowledge of his favorite enemy, whether he could intuit, based on this topographical map, which of these islands would be best suited for a dragon slayer. All right. Uh, roll me a nature check. And because dragons are your favorite enemy, I'll give you advantage. Sweet Ooh. deal. All right. Jesus. Okay. High rolls 22. Nice. Yeah. Well, you're very positive it wouldn't be like there's a bunch of little tiny, you know, like a, a mile or two islands. None of those. There's two that are in the archipelago that are very large that could probably house a small town or something. Probably not those. White dragons are bestial, and uh, while they're not dumb, they're not the smartest of all of the chromatic dragons, and you think they might have picked one of the ones that was more difficult to get to, and the bigger ones you could almost land bridge on over to. There is one that you do suspect. It's actually the one closest to the east, and I'll send this to you on a map later. Um, that seems to be maybe just the right size. It's just far enough away from some of the other islands that you would need to, it would be advantageous to fly uh, or coming by ship. You'd be easily seen. The topography is flat and rocky and uh, there'd be really nowhere to hide on the island. So however, if if you were looking to conceal something, if, and if you had the magical power of, say, uh, an older white dragon, then yeah, that one might be the one that you do. I say we go there first because one of two things happens. Either we happen upon the cult or we happen upon the lair of an old white dragon. And either way... Cool, cool, cool. I hear a, I hear a I hear, pigeon. Hear a fellow looks for the wind. Or a ancient white dragolich. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Wow. <laughs> the the metagaming pigeon is certainly paranoid and kind of an idiot. Jeez. Ouch. Well, wow, man. I mean, so this is a... You're going to kill the metagaming a, pigeon. Wait, so white dragons are bestial dragons? They're more beast-like. Yeah, they're very, they're very animal. This is Jonathan, the player, talking. Yeah, among the chromats, they are very animalistic. Like, like red dragons are cunning. Uh, blue dragons are kind of cunning. Like black dragons are just fucking evil. White dragons are just mean, but they're they're nature, they're natural, and they're predators. But they're kind of mean predators. And you would know all of that. Yeah, yeah. And and the Baphomet cultists are anti-civilization, pro-nature. Dental plan, 
Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. <laughs> I will say, Travancore, as you and Jonathan are having this discussion and you're relaying what you know innately about white dragons, that, yeah, a lot of this makes sense. The only thing that doesn't make sense is you cannot see a bunch of Baphomet cultists praying or uh, swearing fealty to a dragon of any color. And you do know any color dragon if they're you're either pray or you're praying so that's the only thing so that might be you pray or you pray get it yeah uh so you think that might actually be proof if all of these assumptions are correct that this dragon might be long dead because there'd be no way for unless these cultists are somewhere else and you guys are completely wrong there'd be no way for these cultists to be here because this would not be a relationship this would be a fight cancel those braces okay well so the well still though i mean of all the dragon layers that they would probably have the most affinity for it probably would be the the more bestial dragon like on that level like like if they actually met like like you said and i'm you know Tra- uh, travancore would know this they wouldn't get along but if that dragon is long dead that layer might be the perfect base for them this is all true it's the best lead we have so far. It is absolutely a phenomenal lead. Good job. I have a mechanical question that I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, hey, giant mate. eagles, how big are they? Could they actually, could a person or a humanoid actually fly on one of them? In D&D terms, yes. One. One person. Okay, so. Yeah, and if you're thinking about summoning a, a bunch of giant eagles to fly you over Not there. Not all the way there, but like far away enough where... If this island is easily, the benefit of it is you can easily see any ship coming, you would have to sail at a time or an angle where, like, you're obscured by clouds and then fly in from giant eagles. But I think it only summon two at a time anyway, so that might be problematic. And only for an hour. Yeah. Yeah, the problem would would be the only two of them. They would have to do multiple trips because Carlton alone would need an entire eagle. Bernie might be able to, like, go with Coco Snoot. Your bear would need its own eagle. And then each of right. you, yeah, they're they're big enough to carry one. Well, good to know for combat, but maybe not for the specific use. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about that for months, actually. So thanks for that. Sure. Cool. Glad to help. All well, right. and fortunately, we don't have to really hopefully worry about coming back i can just teleport circle us back right my concern is how do we get there without being seen well i think we have to we have to fly and I th- but i think if we go low low enough we it, it kind of will depend on i think we definitely go at night and it'll depend on what kind of moon we have we've done theater before we could try and figure out how to make us look like a cloud or obscure us some other way maybe put some minor illusions on on key parts of the front to make us look like the the sky like so we don't have to cover the entire things in illusion we can just cover like the front of the rocks and maybe where we are in an illusion of the night sky so that would that would help to not be seen i think i think definitely we have to fly at night and i think we have enough magical talent between well all of us uh that uh that we would be okay. Uh, well, maybe not Carlton. Carlton casts Rage, and that wouldn't really help in this situation. It helps in all situations. Carlton's a good, good Rage boy. <laughs> most situations. I'll give you most. Yeah. His Rage is is super high level, but that's it's a one-trick pony. But it's a super high level one-trick pony. So this 
all of this investigating, reading through these books, um, getting help from this this one cleric has taken you most of the day. The sun is starting to set. We're going to jump back over to Bernie and Carlton earlier in the day because your trip to Vanilla has taken kind of the morning. Is there anything else you wanted to do throughout the day? Uh, I think we are going to go play cards, weren't we? We were going to, yeah, we are going to go play some cards. Sure. Where would you like to go? We are going to go find a seedy bar in the docks. <laughs> All right. Did you want to just find any seedy bar? Did you want to look in specific areas? I want to, I want to, I don't know, just in general area, but I also want to see, like, as we're prowling the dock ward for a seedy bar, I want to keep an eye out for the scarred serpent. Yeah, I think we, our goal should be, I think the idea should be we're walking along. If we see the scarred serpent, we try to find a bar within its radius. Sure. I would love the two of you to roll perception checks. Perception is a skill of mine. Uh. <laughs> what number would that uh be? 11. No, the uh is more like a 19. Bernie is trying to like, she's distracted because she's trying to tell Carlton things about how to card shark and he's not paying attention clearly, but that's good. <laughs> he's paying attention to other things. Yeah. The dock ward is cold because once again, you're back on the ocean side and the spray is bitter. Uh, but Carlton, you're keeping an eye out, and it takes a little while. Like, Bernie a couple times is like, but there's a bar right here. And you're like, no, 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 we're keep going. There are not a ton of ships in the dock. Many of them are obviously, like, sealed up for the winter. Some of them have been moored for a while. They've got ice crusted around them. The sails have been totally taken down. You can tell that they're they're just done for the season. But as you continue up the dock, you actually very quickly, once you get far enough, notice the scarred serpent. It is a a fairly large vessel. It's also got its its sails down mostly for because of the the wind and everything, but you can tell unlike most of the other ships that are docked, it's still fresh. It doesn't have ice crust around the side. It is backed into port so that you can actually read the scarred serpent along the back. And when you take a quick look on the front, you can see that the the front of the ship has you're you're not exactly sure what the figurehead is. It's so weathered and worn and it's kind of far away from where you are. But under the figurehead, on big thick chains hanging on the front of this ship, which is mostly this really nice caravel, you see this big hunk of metal gleaming. It's It's been cleaned and it, it almost looks like it's been oiled and it's covering the whole front of the ship and it's it's a very obvious sight you can see people on the ship um it's got activity and you you very quickly it takes a while for you to get there but because of your persistence you're able to find it okay bernie i think that's the i think that's where we want to go yeah i mean do we want to go just straight up on the ship or do you want to go play around in a bar nearby i want to get drunk so a bar nearby is what? Yeah. I, yeah, okay. All right, I would love an investigation check for a bar nearby. Nope, no bonuses to investigation. That's what I thought. <laughs> oh, we're going to find the worst bar in the world. <laughs> That's a 12. Yeah, we are. I got a five. Excellent. <laughs> I'll drink puddle water. I don't give a shit. Carlton's like, I found you the boat. Bring me the alcohol. I don't care where we go. Bernie, you have been told that the captain will probably stay close to the ship to be there in case 
exactly what's happening happens. Someone comes by who might want to ask questions. So you just kind of scan nearby and look. And the first bar that you notice that's within eyeshot of the the, the boat is called the Chubby Duck. <laughs> this place looks promising. And by promising, I mean it's cold and this place looks like it has an inside. So let's go inside. And you can buy some drinks, but not too many drinks. Remember, we're not allowed to burn anything down. That correlation is not causation. I'm just going to go get some drinks. (laughs) (laughs) You all walk into the Chubby Duck, which has a sign out front of the the most plumpest of ducks. Practically just a ball of a duck with a tiny little head. How did they fit the fourth chin? (laughs) Like two tiny little stubby feet and this little tiny neck, and that's about oh. it. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, a I'm such a fat, fat, <laughs> fat duck. <sighs> As you approach, <sighs> you hear noise inside, and you think, all right, well, you know, it sounds a little rowdy. At least there's some activity. You open the door, and it is this thick wood door that actually, Bernie, when you first yank on it, won't move because of the wind and the cold and the snow. And it takes Carlton pulling it. And it's both because of the weather and because of the thickness of this door that you just can't budget at first. And then when he opens it, there is this wash of noise and color and sound as this bar is packed. It is sailors every five feet. It smells like really watered down grog and sweet meats and you think maybe tobacco smoke. And it is a riot of people laughing and drinking. And you think there might be a bar fight that's about to start because one guy punches another guy and then they they, they exchange punches And then they start to laugh and then they start to drink. There is just noise everywhere. It's it's a cacophony. But it looks kind of like a friendly cacophony. Like nobody stops to give you any notice as you come walking on in. There is in the far corner a piano player playing the piano, playing some kind of... It's it's upbeat. It might be like a Joplin-esque rag in, in our world. The piano is super out of tune the guy that's sitting at the piano it looks like a half elf in like ratty clothes is just pounding away on the thing and and the enthusiasm is overcoming the out of tuneness and it just looks crazy and fun and maybe a little dangerous and we'll stop there oh (laughs) i was willing to go more for card shenanigans i know i know but we've got to stop there for time and the next time when we pick that up we'll be entering the chubby duck and we'll we'll (sighs) see what kind of (laughs) yeah if we can get fan art of the chubby duck that would be great i would love to see there's a piece of bread under me i can't read I got a, I got a big body and little arms. Picture a roll. basketball roll. with a tiny oh. little duck. Like, yeah. Oh, I didn't quite guys, make it. Over. Chubby things are like, honestly, just like I don't know. I have this abiding love for all things fat, and I just <laughs> so happy. And this is this this is not fat. Like it's called the chubby duck, but think grossly obese. Like it's <laughs> it's a little. Yeah, mine's more of a pigeon. Oh, oh no! God. That looks like the child of Jabba the Hutt. Like Jabba the Hutt and a duck had sex, 
Everybody's homework tonight is to do a drawing, a drawing of the chubby duck. The chubby duck. Let me give you some experience for all of your investigating, for finding out, uh, for taking the time to go and learn as much as you can. To actually plan? To actually plan, you know? Oh, you mean not just like, oh, hey, we're here now. This shot of fireball, Joe Hills, is for planning. There you go. A planning shot. I like it. No, you asked a lot of really intelligent questions, and I appreciated that. Also, for deciding that- Appreciated that you finally asked questions before committing to doing something. (laughs) No, fuck it. We're going in live. Hot drop. (laughs) It's worked so far for the past. (laughs) Hey, Shiki, where's your grandmammy live? (laughs) Oh, you know, around. Oh, no, I activated Siri by saying, hey, (laughs) Seekin. Seekin and Siri. Hey, Seekin. They seek. Right, so, work on well, let me give you a total of five thousand two hundred experience to split between default. That's a bad answer. That's, quite, that's a bad teen each. And next time we get together, the chubby duck will happen. Yay! <laughs> oh, I'm, so so about me. I'm so excited. There's so many good RTX live game villains. There you go. Scurvy and the Chubby Duck. <laughs> there you Scurvy go. Scurvy and the Chubby Duck sounds like some kind of weird, like, comic book. I'd Crime like to see a comic book about that, livelihood. too. All of the jeopardized by the sudden appearance of Spider-Man. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, That Indian Dude, Colin Kalen, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.